It's the Healthy Woman Show on WJR with Ann Thomas and Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, presented by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. Welcome to WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. I'm Ann Thomas, and I am here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. And Dr. Carol, on this edition of WJR's Healthy Woman Show, we have all kinds of great information for our listeners. And we're going to talk about how to be safe in the sun, some fun things to do this summer, talking lavender, talking eat Detroit, and some more fertility facts. An interesting show coming up next. Welcome to WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. I'm Ann Thomas, and I am here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. And Dr. Carol, our first guest is Dr. Wendy Sadoff. Dr. Wendy Sadoff is a Beaumont dermatologist. She also has a private practice in Farmington Hills. Dr. Sadoff, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And you know, we thought that because here we are right in midsummer, it's July, it's hot, the sun is shining all the time, we should check in with you, Dr. Sadoff, to talk a little bit about how to take care of our skin in the summer. So just start out by giving us some tips. You know, what do we do? What should we be doing when we get up in the morning and we head out? Well, summer does have its unique time and things that occur in the skin and the number one thing and we say it over and over again is to make sure sunscreen is really part of your daily routine. I think we all kind of understand we need sunscreen when we're in the sun people say but every time you leave the house you are in the sun so it really should be part of your daily routine and the key is really finding a product that you like to apply the same way you're not going to miss applying your favorite lipstick because you like how you look in it. If you can find a sunscreen product that goes on nicely, that moisturizes if you like that, or provides tint or coverage, and you like how that looks on your skin, you're not going to forget it when you leave the house. Well, that's interesting. Now, what about SPF? What should we be looking for when we're out there shopping for the right sunscreen? So that's a really good guide, but it is somewhat limited. I think sometimes we've overstated how important SPF is. Yes, it is important, at least a 30, but it really is a measure of UVB protection. So UVB is one wavelength of light, UVA is another, and really you could have an SPF 100 and you wouldn't necessarily know whether it blocks any UVA light. And UVA is really important to block. It's a very long wavelength, deeper damaging wavelength. We don't have any number on the package to indicate if a product is good in that area, but we can look for broad spectrum. And that does give us an indication that you're going to get some UVA blocking. And I personally love zinc. And zinc is gonna be the widest, broadest protection. And the nice thing is there are products that are not what we think of that thick white coating of the lifeguard's nose. It doesn't have to <laughs> yes. look like that. It can be sheer and be very easy and pleasant to use. So you do want to pay attention to the SPF, certainly something that's 8, 10, 12, 15, 20. I mean, I don't even pay attention to those. Those are under what we would need. We need at least a 30. 
and many skin types benefit from 50 or so. So that's part of it. But again, look at the label that it says broad spectrum. Turn the box around, see if it has zinc in it. Check to see if it's water resistant. There are two possibilities. It's either water resistant to 40 minutes or 80 minutes. And if you're going to be sweating, so even if you're not in a pool, but you're walking, you're sweating, you need that water resistance. So how often should we be applying sunscreen throughout the day? Does it depend on what we're doing or do you have a general guide? It really does. The general guide is every two hours Mm. or when you get out of the water. But just to be really practical, if someone applies it in the morning, they do a really proper application, a nice coat of sunscreen, and they go out at lunchtime, they maybe have a bite out, they're probably fine. You know, I don't know that you need the whole kind of reapplication. That being said, there are some formulations like a little powder or something that are sunscreens that can be a really quick touch-up for another application. But if you're doing a lot of swimming in a pool or at a lake and you're on a beach, you should probably be applying that several times throughout the day. Absolutely. And that's where people are running into trouble. Mm -hmm. So even though people do know they need sunscreen, they're packing it at at the beach, I'm still seeing so many sunburns. After the 4th of July, we saw so many people coming in. And it's that reapplication. And the other thing that people are missing is kind of certain areas that might be hard to get or if they change clothing, a new area that was covered now is exposed. And also people are not applying sunscreen in the amount they need to. So we say about an uh, an ounce and a half to cover the whole body. So if you have a sunscreen bottle that's an eight ounce bottle and you're at the beach, you should be going through that. You shouldn't really have something, you know, for several weekends if you're applying enough of it and reapplying frequently. So what happens if we don't listen to this advice and we do get a sunburn? What should we be doing to treat the sunburn? Well, what's interesting is I still like zinc sunscreen after a sunburn because that zinc is very healing and it provides a protective barrier over the skin and seals off to prevent that water loss from the skin, which is really responsible for a lot of the dehydration, the peeling, and discomfort that you feel after a sunburn. So definitely, I still would put sunscreen on, even if you're putting clothing, you absolutely shouldn't go back in the sun. Protective clothing, an ointment like Aquaphor is very helpful, or some type of sunscreen, just something to have a barrier between your skin and to prevent that water loss. What does a sunburn do for the skin long-term? How does it really hurt it? Well, number of sunburns is definitely correlated with skin cancer. So that is damaging and resulting long-term in some of these changes in the DNA and skin cancers that we see many years following the sunburn. So sometimes people say, no, I've been really good. I wear sunscreen. And they're talking about the last five years, which is really you know, I'm very happy about that. But if they look back to when they were children or teens, they had sunburns repeatedly. And that's responsible for a lot of the skin cancers that we're seeing. 
Now let's turn also to another summer skin problem, and that would be bug bites. How do we deal with bug bites as soon as you, I don't know, a mosquito bite or, or a bee bite? What do you do? How do you handle that? Well, for a bee sting, you want to make sure that that stinger is out. So you want to look very closely and make sure that that's out. Most people are getting, you know, a lot of mosquito bites now, and we want to treat that with antihistamines. So just over-the-counter, you can do Benadryl, Allegra, Claritin, Zyrtec, Zizol. There are numerous antihistamines, and there are many that are non-sedating, so people can take them, you know, during the day and still be awake and able to work. So an antihistamine is, is a clear recommendation. The other thing is to put some cortisone on, and that can help reduce the inflammation topically. Over the counter, you have 1% hydrocortisone available. But when I see patients, we have many, many strengths of topical steroids, and we can recommend the proper strength for the anatomic area. So what you might use on the face would be different than what you would want on your leg. And if you have numerous bites, you might want something different. So if you really are having numerous bites and you're very, very itchy and you want to prevent that scratching because secondarily you can end up with an infection in the skin from all that scratching, um, it's good to come in and get a recommendation for a routine and then have something on hand for when it happens again, you kind of know what to do. Before I let you go, at what point do we need to come see you if we've been bitten by a bug or had a terrible bee sting? I think if it's not behaving as you've experienced in the past. So again, itching that is not resolving with over-the-counter antihistamines and cortisone or numerous bites or any indication that there might be an infection from scratching or a bite on the face oftentimes is a good indication to come in. And of course, if there are any systemic symptoms, in other words, a bee sting but shortness of breath or um, swelling on the face, lips, tongue, that's an emergency room visit. That's a 911 call because if you are having an allergic reaction, you'll need some very prompt specific treatment for an allergy like to a bee sting. Dr. Wendy Sadoff, Beaumont Dermatologist, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. You are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. We'll be back right after this. Listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show and Dr. Carol, Dr. Wendy Sadoff, the Beaumont dermatologist, was so wonderful giving all this great information about skin care during the summer. And off the air, we asked her if you're driving, should you be using sunscreen? And her answer, I didn't get to it on the air, but her answer was absolutely. She says that the sun will come right in through the windows. So if you're out and about and you're going to run out of the house in the morning and you're going to get in the car and you don't think you need sunscreen, you would be wrong. And it's funny because I was, it it dawned on me about that question because I'm sitting in the car Mm -hmm. and I'm like, hmm, my left arm's a whole lot tanner than my right. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It's like now I got to even it out and maybe be a passenger for a few days. Just (laughs) 
which wouldn't be a bad idea. But you don't think about it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So now we turn to talking a little bit about fertility. And this month, the month of July, we're going to talk about structural fertility. We've already talked about female infertility, male infertility, but now we turn to structural infertility. First of all, what exactly does that mean? Well, Anne, as we, you know, made Infertility Awareness Week uh, a point to talk about in April, there's always three sides of a triangle when we talk about evaluating patient in a couple and getting pregnant. So like you said, in May, we did female infertility. June was male. That's two parts of the triangle. The third part is structural issues. So in other words, is the uterus looking normal? Is the cavity looking normal to hold a pregnancy? And are the tubes open and of good quality to allow fertilization to occur? Fertilization, the egg and the sperm meet in what we call the ampullary portion of the tube. That's a little fatter portion of the tube, kind of in the middle. And if you have a problem with uh, the structure of your tubes, uh, you're not going to be able to get that fertilization to occur or occur properly, or the embryo could get stuck there uh, and be uh, diagnosed as something called an ectopic pregnancy. So how do you address this when you do your workup? First thing I do is I ask uh, questions. So if someone has had risk factors, uh, then I will be more alert to the fact that there may be some structural issues. What are some risk factors? So for the uterus, if someone's had uh, a miscarriage that has been infected, so people will worry, oh my gosh, I've had miscarriages or I've had DNCs, is that going to hurt my uterus? The answer is no. But if you've had some type of inflammation, what we call endometritis or infection surrounded around a miscarriage or a DNC, that could cause scar tissue in the uterus. If you have a history of fibroids, so when you have fibroids, they can be anywhere. Outside of the uterus, you can go to Lord with those. In the muscle of the uterus, depending on where it is and how big it is, you're probably fine there. But if you've had fibroid surgery, that can cause scar tissue. But if you've also had fibroids in the cavity, those are called submucosal fibroids. And anything that's inside the cavity, a fibroid or even a polyp, a polyp is a non-cancerous growth in the uterus that about 20 to 25% of reproductive women have in their uterus. They don't even know it. Um, those can That can be a foreign body effect to the embryo. And it can decrease your chance of success about 40 to 50%. So if you have a history of a pelvic infection, if you have a history of fibroids, that can be uh, a concern. A big one for the tubes is chlamydia. So we always talk to our our. Uh, patients. And uh, when I was a pediatric uh, adolescent gynecologist at Children's, always our teenagers is protect yourself when you're having sex, not just from pregnancy, but from uh, sexually transmitted diseases because chlamydia is an infection where you may have no clue that you've had it until you're trying to get pregnant and you find that your tubes are either blocked or they're dilated with a condition called uh, hydrocelpinks. A hydrocelpinks is a dilated damaged tube that doesn't move uh, the sperm and egg as well, and you have risk factors of infertility and getting a pregnancy stuck there called the ectopic. If you've had a previous ectopic, meaning that you've had a previous um, pregnancy stuck in a tube, you're at higher risk of having another one and higher risk of having damage to that tube. So those are some direct 
um, conditions that can negatively impact your ability to get pregnant. Uh, What are some others? If you've had anything rupture, you had a ruptured cyst and you had a lot of blood in your pelvis, you had an appendix. When someone has their appendix out, I always ask, was it inflamed? Was it infected? Was it ruptured? Because that can cause scar tissue, which then in turn could uh, not allow the tube to be in alignment with the ovary or it could cause, cause scar tissue. And then there's a condition, endometriosis, where, you know, 16% of the population, there's a 20% or so inheritance in families, that that's a condition where when we all have our menstrual cycles, a portion of that tissue flows back into the tubes. And one of the theories is that that tissue continues to grow in the pelvis and cause scar tissue. So those are the questions that I ask to kind of warn me if there's going to be a structural problem with fertility. How often are structural problems the culprit in infertility? It depends on the the patient's history, but I would say probably about 10% to 15% uh, can be just structural alone. And how we evaluate it is through uh, a, a test called an HSG or a hysterosalpingogram. This is a test done in the hospital that's an x-ray, and it's done on cycles day 6 through 12. You don't want any earlier because you're usually bleeding, and that could increase infection. You don't want any later because that's around when women ovulate, and you don't want to affect the process of of, uh, fertilization. Uh, And also, in that time period, the lining is the thinnest at that point because you've already shed the lining. So you would go to a hospital and either a gynecologist or a radiologist would insert a catheter in the uterus, inject sterile dye, and get an x-ray or a floral picture of uh, the uterine cavity, and then they would watch for flow outside of the tube to then uh, delineate those tubes and determine if that structure is normal or not. So that's how we um, test for it uh, to see if there's any issues. What about age? Does age play a role in structural problems? Not directly. But if somebody is older and they've had a series of fibroid surgeries and they've had multiple fibroid surgeries, uh, then age itself isn't a risk factor. But if you, over the years, have had multiple surgeries for a lot of things that had to do with your uterus indirectly, you know, the the surgeries would cause it. But age is, is an independent factor. You know, it would seem that it might be comforting to somebody who wants to have a baby who's struggling to hear that there is a structural problem because it sounds like a lot of these issues can be fixed. Yes and no. So if there is something in the uterine cavity, that can usually be removed, usually through a same-day surgery called a hysteroscopy, where a telescope-like structure goes in the uterus, the cavity is viewed, and directly whatever polyp or fibroid is there can be, you know, directly removed. Um, If there is an issue with the tubes, however, that's difficult. You cannot repair a tube. So the damage is kind of done and you can't fix the inner structures of the tubes. There's little hair-like structures in the inside of the tubes that kind of push the sperm and egg to where they need to be. And if there's an infection, those little cilia-like hair structures don't work as well. So that is where if you've got tubal disease, uh, you may require IVF 
uh, to bypass the tube to allow fertilization to occur in the lab, and then we put the embryo in the uterus. If there's a hydro, that dilated tube I was talking about, fluid can go into the uterus and actually be toxic to an embryo and decrease your chance of pregnancy up to 50%. So we may even have to go so far as to remove the tube entirely or at least block the connection of the tube to the uterus to enhance your pregnancy rates. The bottom line, though, is there's so much that can be done to help a couple get pregnant. It's amazing. You know, you are 100% correct. And and the thing to remember, again, is it's not uncommon. So one out of eight couples will experience a a concern with infertility. It's a medical condition. Over 90% of the time, we can find a reason for your infertility. And there's over 90% uh, uh, options available to you. Once we have this triangle figured out and we have our data, then we can sit down with Uh, couples and say, okay, this is what we need to do. This is what we can fix. This is what we need to change. And and definitely you are 100% correct. Give them a lot of choices. Is there anything else that you want our listeners to know about this? Don't be afraid to go get it checked. So if you have one of these conditions that I mentioned, don't be afraid. Fertility and getting pregnant is not impossible. So, but if you do hear that, you know, one of these conditions are in your history, don't be afraid to see your OBGYN or your fertility doctor sooner than later so that you can get this information and you then will now have ownership of your fertility and you can work with the team to say, okay, I have endometriosis or I had fibroids or I had a pelvic infection. All right, now now what are we going to do about it? And that's the important thing to remember is don't be afraid, get the data and let's figure it out. Yes, this is such great advice, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. We are going to take a quick break here and when we come back, we'll lighten things up a little bit and we'll talk about food. We'll be right back after these messages. are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. I'm Ann Thomas. I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. And Dr. Carol, in June of 2019, Mitch Album started something very cool called Eat Detroit, and it was wildly popular. But as with everything else, it was canceled during COVID, and we are happy to announce that it is back again. And to talk about this with us is Mark Rosenthal, better known as Rosie. Rosie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Anne. Nice to be here. And Dr. Carol, you are involved in this, so I'm going to let you kind of take it away from here and talk to Rosie. All right. Thank you. And Rosie, Rosie, I am so, so, so excited and hungry. I cannot wait <laughs> to go to this amazing Eat Detroit. I did, I've never been to anything like this, and I am just so excited. I'm picking out my restaurants. I'm picking out my route. So for our listeners, can you fill us in on what this whole Eat Detroit is all about? Sure, sure. First of all, yeah, it, it is an exciting uh, event that you know, uh, COVID did preclude us from doing it uh, the past two years. Uh, it, it, it emanated from uh, Mitch's uh, meeting Jose Andres, uh, the uh, world-famous chef from the World Central Kitchen, uh, through their charity work in Haiti. And uh, Jose invited Mitch down to his Dine and Dash, which he holds every year in Washington, D.C. Mitch went and experienced this. And he came back. He said, Rosie, now remember, this is 2018. He said, Rosie, with the restaurant scene the way it is now in Detroit, 
Detroit making a comeback. We are primed for an event like this. So with Jose's permission, we kind of copied it, and we recruited a number of restaurants, uh, nearly 20 restaurants, for an event to take place in June 2019. Now, having never done an event like this, you know, we figured we'd probably be selling it and hawking it to the very last minute. We went on sale with the event in March, and in less than one week, we had over a thousand people had purchased tickets for wow. this event. Wow! You know, and I'm thinking, okay, uh, this this is great. Um, never never tried it before, but let's do it. And it was a mass massive success, as, as Ann just alluded to. Uh, people came out in droves. They get their wristband. They go uh, in a four-hour span. They try to go as many restaurants as possible, and each restaurant offers up uh, three what we call signature little sample dishes uh, and a signature drink. So you go to the restaurant, eat, 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 little sip, 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 go on to the next restaurant. You can walk around to the restaurants, or you can utilize um, our, our shuttle system, which is pretty extensive, especially for this year, because we're reaching the far reaches, so to speak, of, of our footprint of restaurants all the way up to Grand Boulevard, back down to the townhouse uh, Detroit, all the way over to the Corktown Corridor, where we have five restaurants. Uh, Lumen, of course, is included in that. All the way up to the northwest corner, which is Barda, which is one of the top restaurants from the free press review this year. Um, over to the northeast corner with uh, Boabob Fair and Oak and Real, also restaurants, which were all in the, the top ten. So we have uh, some restaurants that participated with us back in June of 2019. We have some wonderful additional restaurants this year, and especially, as I said, uh, featuring the Corktown Carter. So we've been on sale for a little bit. There's a limited number of tickets left. We're only selling 1,000 tickets for this event because we want the people to have the best experience and the restaurants not to run out of food and uh, offer up and put their best foot forward. And I think the, the bottom line, besides being a charitable event, you know, all the proceeds benefit, uh, say, Detroit. The, the, the fact was is that uh, Detroit, with its restaurant scene, with its resurgence, we really wanted people to come into town to experience what this was like, especially those in the suburbs. They would come down, look, you know, experience the restaurants, but would want to come back time and time again knowing that it's a great experience, it's a wonderful dining experience, but more importantly, Detroit is a destination. It's safe to come down, you know, with, with loved ones and family and spend a lot of time there and, and, and take advantage of what the city has to offer. So that's that kind of the so cool. encapsulation of it. And um, we're thrilled to have you guys on board with us, um, you know, through, through your generosity, Dr. Kowalczyk and others, uh, support this and, and make it a really um, viable kind of, of uh, experience, uh, but also uh, really experience for the charity in terms of, of coming out, um, you know, with, with proceeds that really help all our endeavors throughout the year. So we're grateful to you as well. Well, thank you. And, you know, the two things I, I tear out of our Detroit magazine are the top docs, <laughs> in case I need yeah. anybody as a specialist or anyone asks me, and but I don't no, know, I know everyone in Detroit. There, of course. Yes, thank you very much. But um, yeah. I, you know, I, that's always there. But also the restaurants, because I told my husband, I'm like, you know what? I want to go to places I've never been. You know, we always tend to go, oh, where do you want to go to eat? Oh, where do you want to go? We want to go to the same place. And I told him this year, I'm like, this is the year we're going to hit someplace yeah. neither one of us have been to. Like Oak and Real, I heard, was amazing. Um, and uh, the townhouse we've never been to, they're on the list. But this is really, really cool because 
because this gets people out to experience the wonders of Detroit. Again, I'm a Detroiter. I'm so proud of my city. I'm so proud of the building that's happening. And I think the the, the Shinola Hotel restaurant was at San, um, what's it called? San Morello. Morello. Yeah. So my question is, like, you got a thousand people, right? Like, where does everybody start? Does someone just say, you know, like, how are you you doing that? And yeah. Well, first of all, you know, this is a foodie fantasy. I like to call it that. So you're, you're, you're <laughs> describing that beautifully. You fit that mold perfectly. Uh, the first year, we had literally everybody meet at Campus Marshes, the, the atrium in the building there. The, I keep calling it the old Copyware building, but it's not. And, and then we dispersed them with our buses and shuttles. It was like, you know, go, go ahead. You have four hours. <laughs> differently this year so when you sign up or you, you purchase a ticket you are assigned a restaurant so if carol okay. Kowalczyk and, and wants to come out you know uh if you're you know buying the vip track because we have a total of six vip restaurants VIP, vip allows you to go to all the restaurants the general admission uh, allows you to go to 15 or 16 of the restaurants uh to experience but you would be assigned at restaurant we know the capacity of the restaurant that way we're not, you know, inundating a restaurant with a number of people, and it's really sensible. You start at that restaurant, and then you get into the flow once you, you know, leave your initial restaurant. So that's how you do it. You, it's really easy. You go to eatdetroit.info, eatdetroit.info to purchase a ticket, and then the whole process is explained that way uh, in terms of assigning a restaurant. You get a wristband, and once you have that wristband, you know, that is your ticket to that foodie fantasy. It really is. That is awesome. And it, this is um, what, what this is August 3rd yes, from Wednesday 5.30 night, to 9.30. We were very sensitive to, to all the restaurants, you know, knowing we didn't want to interfere with their weekend work. And uh, this really lays in nicely to, uh, with, with their, you know, uh, weekly format as well. So it's Wednesday, August the 3rd. The restaurants that we have, Prime and Proper, San Morello, as you uh, mentioned, is, is the VIP host of the Shinola Hotel for the VIP reception, Townhouse Detroit, Chili Mustard Onions, Senti's Cuban Cuisine, Moots Pizza and Bar, La Feria, La Lanterna, Lumen Detroit, The Whitney. Uh, uh, and The Whitney's kind of cool. They're doing, um, you know, it's, 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 we call it the general admission restaurant, but they're also providing a VIP afterglow starting at 9 o'clock in their ghost bar and in that crazy, gorgeous mansion of theirs. Uh, so we're thrilled about that. Uh, Layla, Oak and Real, Farta, Bob Fair, Calexico. Our Detroit Water Ice Factory is going to be the dessert destination for water ice and popcorn and Motown mash and all that good stuff. Jolly Pumpkin, and as I said, our featured Corktown Carter is Cork and Gable, uh, Slow's Barbecue, Ema, Super Guile, and Tacoy. So Oh, my God, I cannot wait. <laughs> it sounds like a fabulous night. Yeah. And to get the tickets, it's Eat Detroit. Dot info. Rosie, thank you. Thank you for sharing this with us. Oh, thank you for having me. It's and, been a real and, pleasure. And, and Rosie, I know you're the brains, man. So you're the one who <laughs> cooked all this up and coordinated and talked to the restaurants. And God bless you, man, for all the the work that you do oh, uh, with sweet. Mitch. But I, you know what? I, you know what? I got you. So thank you for all your hard work. You're the best. There's a lot there's a lot involved. The easiest thing for me is actually the night of the event, okay? <laughs> you are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. We'll be back and we'll talk about lavender right after this.
As we close out this edition of The Healthy Woman Show, Dr. Carol, we check in with Chelsea Cox of Blake's Farms. And Chelsea is here to talk with us today about something coming up this weekend, something that everyone who goes says it's a fabulous event. And it's the Lavender Festival. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And yeah, it's been it's been going on for over a decade, so we've wow. been really lucky to build a loyal following of uh, passionate lavender lovers, <laughs> and it just makes it all the more fun. Chelsea, why? What's what's this thing about July? You know, I I heard about it. It was too late. My staff, all of my staff, goes to this thing. They <laughs> they love it, love it, love it. But it's like a, such a short window. What what what's the deal with the like the very couple weeks in July and then you're done? Yeah, um, it's a good question. And so it's kind of double, it's a double-edged sword for us. It really works out nicely that Lavender Festival usually falls around mid-July because that's just when the farm has wrapped up You Pick Strawberries, which is the biggest um, summer attraction here at Blake's. Um, And so the timing is really nice for us to give our customers another reason to come back to the farm, but also that is when our lavender field is in full bloom. And it is a short window, but it just happens to line up with when we uh, plant the lavender, when the ground is soft enough uh, in the spring for us to plant it. It's usually in full bloom, that mid-July window. So it aligns perfectly with the festival. And it's a great backdrop for not only coming out and getting pictures, but we allow you to pick your own lavender while you're here. What are the health benefits of lavender for people who are just learning about it for the first time? It is the aromatherapy plant, and it's been linked to reducing stress and anxiety um, for decades, the calming effect, the mood-enhancing benefits. I mean, there are true studies that suggest that lavender oil can work um in the same way that anxiety prescription medication does. And I'm no doctor, but I can tell you that misting my pillow at night, it truly (laughs) relieves stress, anxiety, and it it is linked to really great um, sleep studies as well. So it's this really great stress management, calming um, aromatherapy uh, uh, plant. And Chelsea, during this festival, you offer all kinds of products with lavender. Talk a little bit about the different products that are available. It's amazing. I think that's really what sets our lavender market and lavender festival apart. We have over 200 artisans featuring Michigan-made products. We have free classes, professional speakers from horticulturists to uh, massage therapists, We do demonstrations every day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on topics, you know, touching on natural wellness, aromatherapy, farming, gardening, local honeys, lavender honeys. I could go on, I could go on for hours, but that's really what makes our experience here different. And I'd like to also add that not only do we have you pick lavender, but we also have lavender infused foods and drinks like lavender Mm -hmm. lemonade ice cream, and donuts. So everything is purple. Everything is lavender. (laughs) Wow. What's the tastiest lavender product? Oh, well, if you're asking me because I'm 21 and older, it's (laughs) absolutely the blueberry lemonade lavender slushie. It is phenomenal, and it's going to be a nice warm weekend, so cling down with a boozy lavender lemonade slushie. (laughs) You can't beat it. It's incredible. Now, are there lots of different kinds of lavender that are grown at Blake's Farms? 
Yeah, we grow, I believe it's seven different varieties. And what's so great is I might not be the expert but we do have an expert on site that can tell you which lavender variety is right for you. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to attract honeybees um, or just uh, you want, if you want it for the aroma, if you want it to attract these different unique insects, if you want it just to make your house, you know, really pop from the curbside, so you're looking for deep purples, there is a variety for every single different use. If you're just looking for the oils, We've got a specialist. Her name is Lonnie. Um, she's our farm manager. You want to go talk to her and find out what's right for you. How do you want to use the lavender? And choose the variety based on that. And the festival takes place this weekend. Give us the details. Yeah, so it's the 15th through the 17th. Doors open at 10 a.m. every day, and we're going till 5 p.m. And if you can't make the festival, come join us in the tasting room in the evening. We'll have those boozy slushies along with, we've got a lavender beer called Lila on tap. It's $12 per person and children get in free. The children's classes are all weekend as well. We offer free parking too. So it's it's a full day experience. And uh, like I said, speakers, workshops, wellness classes, it's all here on the farm. Chelsea Cox of Blake's Farms. Thank you so much for talking to us today. We hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for having me, and we hope to see you out here. You've been listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. On behalf of Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, I'm Ann Thomas, and we hope you have a great night. The Healthy Woman Show with Ann Thomas and Dr. Carol Kowalczyk has been presented by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health.